0: Take your Bibles, if you're able to stand this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. We're in Ephesians chapter number 2. Ephesians chapter number 2, if you're visiting with us, there's a copy of the outline in your bulletin this morning. You can follow along, and uh, I will just say this, uh, not only for those of us that are here this morning, but those that might be listening to us this morning by way of online, that our church is called Bible Baptist Church. Notice that first word is what? Bible. Bible. I'm amazed, I'm amazed in this day that we're living in, how many people visit our church and tell me when I talk to them, Pastor, I've been to so many churches in this area where they never open the Bible. I'm amazed. You see, without God's word, we can't have church. And I'm glad this morning that I'm a part of a Bible-believing church. And I'm just going to warn you this morning, I'm going to give you a lot of Bible. The Word of God is quick and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm praying that God will use His Word in your life today. Listen, what you need is not what I can give you this morning. What you need is what God has for you. And you pray for me this morning with my voice. I have had something, I think maybe one of the guys must have got me sick on the men's retreat, I don't know. But uh, with the Lord's help, we'll get through it this morning. A couple verses, we're continuing our series. If you notice there, stop mining your business. That's what we're all about most of time in our lives is what I want, the way I want to live, what I want to get out of life, that's our business. We need to stop mining our business and start mining the Father's. So today I've entitled our message, Those Far Away Can Come Near. And I hope you see that this morning in Ephesians chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 11, just a couple verses and we'll get started this morning. Wherefore, remember that ye being in time past, Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Two beautiful words this morning, those next two words, but now. That makes all the difference, folks. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Those far away can come near. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God. Pray that you'd help me as I stand to proclaim your word. Lord, may you, your Holy Spirit take your word and apply it to our lives. Do your work as only you can. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing this morning. <clears throat> Brother Chris just mentioned something that we are looking forward to in the days ahead called open house. Now, again, the concept most of us are familiar with What is an open house when it comes to real estate, where you're trying to sell a a home and what you do is you put a sign in the front yard and maybe put something in the paper. Maybe you put it on a multi-listing and you're trying to attract people because you want to sell that home. Can I tell you that the open house that we're about to have in a couple weeks, we're not selling anything. As a matter of fact, God's giving it away. He already did give it away. But in three weeks, on March the 17th, our church is going to open its doors for our open house. On that day and leading up to that day, we're going to be inviting the community and we're going to be inviting our neighbors and our coworkers and our classmates and our families and our friends to see what the Lord is doing here at Bible Baptist Church. On that day, we will meet and we will greet everyone with a warm smile. Let's practice that. <laughs> See, I knew you could smile. Do you know that a smile makes all the difference when people come into church? Amen. By the way, a smile makes a difference any day of your life with somebody around you. When I go out in public, especially if I get, some, like if I get a waiter or a waitress and, and they're just having a bad day, you know what I do? I just go... And you know, a lot of times they think, okay, what's up? (laughs) Nobody can be that happy. What's he smiling about? I just love to brighten people's days. You know what that's called? Having the joy of the Lord. How many of you are saved this morning? You should have a joy in your heart, right? Certainly we have a hope, right? And as you think about this, we're going to have an opportunity. Listen, I'm excited about what God is doing here in this church. I hope you are. That, that didn't sound very good. I hope you are. Amen. Amen, yeah. Now listen, as we meet these people, why do we do this? Look at Romans 15, 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. See, we have a we have an opportunity to have people come. Listen, I mean, we'll give them an invitation and we'll say, look, we're gonna have special music and we're gonna have all this stuff going on on that particular day. And if that's not enough, then listen, here's something that you could tell them is, if you come, we're gonna have delicious treats for you when you come and we'll have that black water that so many people like, Yes. yeah. Coffee, some of you are like, what's black water? You know, I just have never understood that disgusting stuff, but so many people love it. Never had a cup of it in my life, and people say, "Are you saved?" Yes, I am. There is life outside of coffee, and I think about this opportunity. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew twenty-five. There in your the notes, I was hungry, and He gave me meat. I was thirsty. And he gave me drink, I was a stranger, and you took me in. Do you know there are people out there that they just need someone to be a friend to them? This world doesn't need now certainly physically, if there's something wrong, hospitals serve their purpose. But you know what a church is? It's a, it's a hospital for the spiritually sin-sick. And do you know what? Everyone is sin-sick. All have sin and come short of the glory of God. Everyone in this world needs God. That's why the church exists. We have an opportunity to open our doors, and as they come on that open house, just like this morning, we'll enjoy some uplifting music, and we'll have even more special music like you just heard that blesses our hearts, that lifts our spirits, that honors God, that sings praises unto our God. That's what music is, and They'll come and they'll be encouraged by a message from the Word of God on that day. And so many people will come and visit. And listen, as they do come, uh, what they're going to hear when they come is they're going to hear a message from the Bible. You see, that's what people need is, Jesus said, thy word is truth. They need to hear the truth because the truth is what will make them free. And all these people that come... They will enjoy all these things, but they will also enjoy a a special gift for being a visitor on that day, for being in attendance. And then after the service, listen, after the service, if that's not enough, I mean, the music and the fellowship, and we're going to have a donut wall out there. I mean, listen, you got to show up just for the donut wall. Some of you, you go over for those donut holes, there's going to be manna here on open house. In the greek you know what manna means Krispy cream <laughs> you don't want to miss it folks the early bird gets the worm or the crispy cream all right bring your visitors they're going to have a great time And as they come and listen if all the the special music and all the things to lift their spirit and 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 all the things that we're going to do in the message from the Word of God, listen, if that's not enough, then guess what? After the service, we're going to have a lunch for everyone. So listen, if you can't get them interested, just mention this word, food. See, listen, all you wives, you won't even have to cook that day. You bring visitors with you, and here's what's going to happen is, after the service, all of us are going to go back and eat a nice, delicious lunch. We're going to have a great day. There's some other things that are going to happen in the afternoon, and I won't share those with you now, but listen, the whole day is going to be a great day. But you don't want to miss it as we open the doors of the church house to invite folks to come in on March the 17th. I say, well, listen, Pastor, that sounds good. But why are we doing all this? Why why do you put this on the calendar? Why have an open house? I mean, we have church every Sunday. But the Bible says in Romans 13, 10, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Listen, did God love you while you were yet a sinner? Absolutely. You know what we should do to other people? We should love them the way God's loved us. See, we want to we love those in our community, and we'll put all this energy and all our resources into a day that we call our open house. And I want to submit this morning three reasons why we are going to have an open house, because sometimes people say, Pastor, what is an open house? The entire message this morning is why are we having an open house? I'm glad you asked, okay? I'm going to give you reason number one. The first reason that we, we are going to have an open house is because, according to our passage this morning, a separation is seen. A separation is seen. Look back in Ephesians 2 again, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, wherefore, remember, that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who were called uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Now, the passage shows us this morning, as you look at this separation, you see here that, that the passage is showing the work of Christ, specifically in the lives of people known as Gentiles. Look at verse number 11 there, if you have your Bible still open, where the Bible says in verse 11, these words, in time past. Everybody, let's say that, in time past. Everybody understand, listen, that was back in the, in the past, right? In in time past, look at verse number twelve. I want you to look at verse number twelve this morning, because the verse begins with that at that time. So let's say these three words: at that time. All right, here we go. At. At So we have in time past. Then we have at that time. But look at verse thirteen. What's the first two words of verse thirteen? But now, say it again. But now. So listen, according to the Bible, in time past. At that time, but now. When you look at these, here's what we find is is that God is dealing specifically with those that are considered to be Gentiles. Now, the word Gentile is a term that is used. It's real simple to get a hold of. It's talking about all nations except for the Jews. So either you're a Jew or you're a Gentile. That's the distinction that God makes most of those here in, in the church in Ephesus, which this is a letter that God gave to those believers in Ephesus, most of the converts in this Ephesian church were Gentiles. Now, those Gentiles, they knew much of God's program in the Old Testament in time past that they knew that that program of God involved the nation of Israel, the Jewish people. Matter of fact, take your Bibles with me, hold your place here. Go over to Romans chapter number 9. Okay, I told you I'm going to share a lot of Bible with you this morning. And I'm going to walk with you through these couple chapters. Turn to uh, Romans chapter number 9. I don't have time to read all of this, but I'm going to just give you kind of an overview because when you look at Romans chapter number 9, you're looking at God's dealing with Israel in the past. When you look at Romans chapter number 10, you're looking at God dealing with Israel in the present. When you look at Romans chapter number 11, you're looking at God's dealing with Israel in the future. All right, everybody with me? Romans chapter number 9, God's dealing with Israel when? In the past. Chapter 10 is God dealing with Israel when? In the present. Romans chapter 11 is God dealing with Israel when? In the future. So keep that in mind. By the way, that's a great thing to remember when you're reading the book of Romans. Because you'll find here that God is not done with Israel, okay? I don't have time to get into all of this, but Daniel gave a prophecy, and Daniel talked about that there would be 490, there would be 70 weeks, and those 70 weeks are, again, God's program for the nation of Israel. Does anybody here this morning know how many of those weeks, those 70 weeks, have been already fulfilled? Anybody? 69 of those weeks which means there's one week left. Now, does anybody know their Bible well enough to know when that one week is going to take place? After the rapture, rapture, and that one week is called, it's a seven-year period because God's week is seven years. You study the Word of God, you'll find that out. That one week is called the time of what? Tribulation. Tribulation. See, we got to know our Bible, folks. And so I told you, we're a Bible church, so we're looking at the Word of God. So here's what's happened is, if you look at the Word of God, for all those years in the Old Testament, God was dealing with the nation of Israel. God has always intended that He would be their God and they would be His people. Okay, I'm talking about the Jewish people now, the nation of Israel. So 69 of those weeks have already been fulfilled. There's one week left, but that one week is not going to happen until this present time we're living in, which some people call it the age of grace. I don't necessarily like to refer to it that way because I believe that even in the book of Genesis that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I think God's grace has always been there for mankind. But here's what I do see is that when Jesus came and he was born, we celebrate that at Christmas time, that when Jesus came and he was born of a virgin and he lived a perfect sinless life, that while he was on this earth, Jesus established something that we are still a part of today. Does anybody know what that is? Church. The church. Now, I will tell you when you study this book that the church is not Israel. And Israel is not the church. Okay. Now don't lose me. There's, there's a lot of things this morning we've got to get a hold of. So understand that when Jesus came, that the program that God had for Israel, that that program... It was temporarily suspended. In other words, we're living in a time period that we're between that 69th year of that 69th week of that prophecy and that 70th week. And that 70th week is going to happen, it's going to take place at the end of this present age, which some people call it the age of the church, some people call it the age of missions. I know this God has given us what the Bible refers to as a commission to go into all the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is everybody with me so far? Okay, is this too much Bible? All right, so, so let's, let's follow along. Now, when you look in Romans chapter number nine, God's dealing with Israel when? In the past, all right? Now, look, I'm gonna just kind of go through a couple of verses here. Look at chapter number nine, verse number one. Paul is the, the, the penman, but remember, All scripture is given by inspiration of who? God. So are these Paul's words or God's words? God's words. All right, now look at verse number one. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren my kinsmen according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises. How many of you would agree this morning that God committed much to the people of Israel, right? God gave them a lot. I mean, they were a people that were very privileged people. Drop down in verse number 22 of chapter number 9. Look at verse 22. What if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had afore, or before, prepared unto glory. Now look at the last couple of verses. Look at verse 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, had attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith, but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness, wherefore... Because they sought it not by faith, that's Israel. Okay, they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumble stumbling stone, as it is written, "Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense." And whosoever believeth on Him, notice the stone, the stumbling stone is called Him. Anybody know who that's talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Now, if you know anything about not only Bible but history, that the Jewish people, and if you're a Jew here this morning, listen, we love you, God loves you, but understand that the Bible is clear that God sent his son, Jesus, Savior, deliverer. It was something that was prophesied in the Old Testament. It came to pass when Jesus was born. Into this world, he came to save us from our sins, but they did not recognize him for who he was. Is that true or not? Okay, They stumbled at the stumbling stone. That's God's dealing with Israel in the past. Now look at chapter 10. Chapter 10 is God dealing with Israel when? In the present. Look at chapter number 10. All right? Now, verse 1. Brethren... Here it is again. Can you sense Paul's heart? By the way, why is Paul making statements like this? Was Paul a Jew or a Gentile? Jew. It was a Jew. If you're Jewish this morning, you should have a deep burden for your people. By the way, if you're a Gentile, you should have a deep burden for the Jews. You know why? Because they're God's people. Okay? So look at what it says here. Brethren, my heart, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to every one that what believe it. In other words, look here. Let me ask you. How does a Jew get saved? Believe on Jesus. How does a Gentile get saved? Believe on Jesus. If you're here this morning and you're without Christ, you've never put your faith in Christ, then you are not saved, you are yet in your sin. See, listen, when it comes to salvation, it's the same for the Jew and the Gentile. This present day that we're living in, even though there has been the unbelief of the Jew, guess what? The church age is that God, yes, would want to see the nations, the the ethnos, the the Gentiles to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But at the same time, he still wants to see Jews being saved in this present day also. What is the church comprised of? Jew and Gentile. You see, God wants all. God is not willing that any would perish. It didn't say that any Gentile would perish. The Bible says he he was willing that none would perish but that all Jew and Gentile would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everybody with me? Okay, now when you look at this, let's read on. (laughs) Look at chapter number 10, verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. How are we saved? For by grace are ye saved through faith. You have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, like many today, you know what the, the nation of Israel had become? A system of works. Judaism had changed to where you had to keep the commandments. Remember what Jesus said? If you've offended in one point, you've offended the whole law. No one can keep all the law. So if you offended in one point, you're guilty of the whole law. But see, that's why Jesus came. So when you look at what it says here in verse number 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You know, when you read that in your Bible, a lot of times we use what we oftentimes call the Roman's road. Isn't it interesting that many of those verses that we use for the Roman's road were written in a section in our Bible that was specifically God dealing with the Jews? Never really thought about that, have you? But the Bible says right here, if we believe in our heart and we confess it with our mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Look at verse number 10. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Look at verse 12. There is no difference. Say that. Say it again. Yeah, no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? shall be saved. Look at verse 17. Faith cometh by what? And hearing by what? The word word of God. God. Verse number 19. The Bible says, but I say, did not Israel know? What's the answer to that? Did Israel know yes or no? They did, didn't they? Remember what we just read? God had given them his word. Look, you're holding the word of God in your hand today. If you have a copy of the word of God, you're privileged this morning. You realize that? Now, there are some things that you may not know about God's Word yet, but listen, that's not God's fault, that's your fault, because you're holding all of the Word of God in your hands. Now, if you haven't yet discovered or been taught something in the Word of God, at this present moment, you can claim ignorance, but once you have knowledge of something, you can't claim ignorance anymore. That's called stupidity. Are you with me? I'm not trying to be mean to you this morning, But as God shows us things from his word, guess what? We are responsible for what we know. Look, some of you are doubting me this morning. Get in your car after church. Don't say the preacher told you to do this. Just get out on the road and where it says 55, do 85. And when the police officer pulls over, just say to him, well, I didn't know that speed limit was 55. I thought I could just do whatever I want. And he's like, well, there was a sign you just passed about a mile back on the road that said speed limit 55. See, God's given us his word. We need to understand what the word of God says. And the Bible says, did not Israel know? Look at verse number 21 of chapter 10. But to Israel, he saith all day long. Look at these words. All day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Do you see what I see? The long-suffering, the severity the, 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 the kindness of our God, not only to the Jewish nation, but to all of us, how God is always reaching forth, stretching forth His hand. Again, I just mentioned, God's not willing that any would perish. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, right? Amen. So when you look at this, look at chapter number 11. Now, chapter number 11 is God dealing with Israel when? In the future. In the future. Now, this is, this, is, this is where that 70th week comes in. See, a lot of people are like, well, I'm not Israel, I'm not a Jew, God's done with the Jews, so now it's my turn. No, that's not Bible, okay? Now, I will tell you a little side note here, and it's not a side note, it's a great Bible truth. Somebody mentioned it earlier when I asked, the next thing that's going to happen on God's timetable is all the saved, Old Testament and New Testament. The Bible says the dead in Christ saved people. The dead in christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain the lord comes back while we're on this earth we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them the ones that were dead in christ we're going to be caught up together with him in the air and when we are raptured out in the moment in the twinkling of an eye we're snatched out of this world that right there all that listen can you get a hold of this this morning All the saved people are gone. Can you imagine? Listen, the world we live in today, aren't you glad there's some saved people in the world? Can you imagine what the world would be like if all the saved are gone? That's going to happen, and that's a big aye, aye, aye. (laughs) The Bible Bible puts it this way. Two are going to be grinding at the mill. One is going to be taken. One is left. Listen, you might, listen, I hope you're not, but if you're an unsaved person, if you're on an airplane and there's two pilots in the, in the cockpit, and an unsaved pilot is, is the pilot of that plane, and the co-pilot is a saved person, he's gone. Listen, it's important to understand, I would rather somebody be saved sitting in there because that plane's going down if a saved person's flying that plane, right? Because the Bible talks about that we're going to be caught up together with him. We're gone. Everybody get that? So listen, every saved person is now with the Lord in the air, Jew and Gentile, okay? As a result of that, that begins that 70th week of Daniel, the time of tribulation, all right? Everybody with me so far? Now, here's where this comes back, chapter 11, God's program, that 70th week That's going to be the consummation God's going to fulfill that 70th week. He's going to once again begin his dealings with the nation of Israel. Now look at chapter number 11. Look where the Bible says. Paul writes, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Verse 2, God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Verse 5, even so then at this present time also... There is a remnant according to the election of grace. Verse 8, God hath given them the spirit of what? Slumber, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. Verse 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation has come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the richest. Now, who's the them? If the fall of them. What, what nation? Israel. Now, watch this. If the fall of them be to the riches of the world. In other words, we are the benefactors. See, God, God could have said, that's it. I'm done with man. No, no, no. The gospel went for. If you read in Acts chapter number 10, I believe it is, that's where Peter has the vision and he sees the sheet being let down from heaven and the four corners, and there's all manner of beasts on that sheet. And remember what Peter says, the Bible says, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter says, Not so, Lord. I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. Listen, it had nothing to do with food. Peter must have been a Baptist because he was thinking about food. But it had nothing to do with food. It had everything to do with the fact that God says, Listen, Peter, I'm trying to get you past your prejudice that it's not just about the Jewish people, that God wants even the Gentiles to come to know Christ as their Savior. So we see here that we find that God's program wasn't done. Now let's read on. Look at verse number 19 of chapter 11. Thou will say then, The branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith, be not high minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, anybody have an idea what the natural branch is? Israel. Notice, if God didn't spare the natural branch, take heed lest he also spare not thee. Verse 23, look at the end of that verse. God is able to graft them in again. You see what the Bible's saying? God says, listen, I'm going to start that program up with Israel again because every promise of God has always been fulfilled. Not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. God says, listen, I'm going to start that program again. Look at verse 25. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel unto the fulfillness fullness of the Gentiles be come in. Look at verse 30, for as ye in times past, there it is again, have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed that through, uh, through your mercy they also may obtain mercy, for God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon how many? Upon all. Now, when you look at your notes, listen. Clearly, we're talking about the fact that these Gentiles understood, first of all, that there's a difference. That since the time that God called Abraham, God made a difference between the Jew and the Gentile. God has, has made this difference. Not that the Jews, as the Bible says, the Jews shouldn't boast about who they are and the, the privileges that God had given to them, but listen, it's all about that God intended that the Jews might be a blessing, to uh, be a help to the Gentiles. Now, when you see this matter of The Jew and the Gentile, the difference. You also see words that the Bible mentions in Ephesians 2, the circumcision and the uncircumcision. That's talking about the Gentile and the Jew. The the Jews were the circumcision. The Gentiles were the uncircumcision. See, the, the Jew represents the man who followed God, the one who lived his life, not by the unbridled passion of the lust, the flesh, but he lived his life according to the principles of the Word of God. They were circumcised, and this whole matter of circumcision, which is a major misunderstanding for many people, and and I wish I had time to go into it this morning, but here's what it represented. It represented their submission to the authority of God and the principles of the Word of God. Now, that's the Jew, okay? Now, the Gentiles in this passage represented just the opposite, the unbridled lust, the the foolish superstition of mankind. Look at 1 Corinthians 12 too. Paul writes there to the church in Corinth, you know that you were Gentiles. Look at how he describes them, carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. So look, he's he's definitely in Ephesians two, writing to this church in Ephesus. He says, there is a difference. He says, I see the separation. There's a difference, but then notice also there's a destitution because he mentions they were Gentiles in the In other words, they were under the dominion of the flesh. Anybody in here like potato chips? Come on, that's it? That's what I thought. Anybody that likes potato chips, can you honestly say before God today that you can open a bag and eat one? It starts at one. But it doesn't stop there, you know. I'm going to tell you something, listen, the flesh, look, these people who were Gentiles according to the flesh, they were under the dominion of the flesh, they were subject to the appetites and the pleasure that the flesh wants. Listen, does not the flesh desire things that, listen, are contrary to the things of God? And Paul says, listen, in times past, this is the way you were. He says that you were uncircumcised, you were enjoying when you are uncircumcised, listen, you're enjoying none of the blessings of God. He says, "Listen, because of that, that appetite for the flesh, look what Jeremiah says. Here's how he put it. He writes, "To whom shall I speak and give warning, that they may hear. Behold, their ear, their ear is uncircumcised. that they cannot hear or hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach, and they have no delight in it. You know what people do not want today? The Bible. They don't want to hear the word of God. You know why? Because the word of God will speak to them, convict them, will show them things. Sometimes people say, man, pastor, you were preaching this morning. You were stepping all over my toes. I've never stepped off this platform. So it wasn't me stepping on your toes. It probably was God by His Holy Spirit. By the way, I want to come to church, so I get something from God when I come to church. And last time I checked, we're sinners saved by the grace of God. See, Paul says there was a, there was a separation that was seen here. Why are we having an open house? Because there's a separation. There are. Listen, God loves all. God wants all to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but there's a difference and there's a destitution. They do not delight in the word of God. But notice the second reason why we should have an open house. The one word, as I look, look at verse number 12 real quick. Go back to Ephesians 2 if you're not there already. Ephesians chapter number 2. And, and as we look at this verse, here's what Paul's doing. He's describing a prevailing culture. And I want you to see it in verse number 12. He says that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Now there's a key word in that verse, and it shows up twice, but if you understand the word of God, it actually, even though it's not there, it's understood, and I want you to see what that word is. The word that best describes the Gentiles is the word without. You ought to underline that in your Bible if you're in the habit of, of highlighting or underlining, underlining things in your Bible. The word without. Listen, you ever seen a little kid standing outside of a candy store? You know where they want to be? Inside the candy store. Anybody here like the blessings of God? Yeah. Anybody here want to be outside the blessings of God? You see, we all enjoy the blessings of God. But he says in verse number 12, look at it again, that at that time, he says you were without, and I want you to see some things that they were without because these people, they were were outside in several aspects. Notice, first of all, they were a people without Christ. He says ye were without Christ. The culture today, listen, I, I know that you know this as a child of God, that we're living in a society, a culture today, that is trying to shed any semblance of Christianity in this world today. Let's just do away with Christ. You remember what happened when they crucified Jesus? They thought that when they hung him on the cross, that they were done with Jesus, they were done with Christianity. Boy, how little did they know. He being dead yet speaketh. Jesus up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive today. He's seated at the right hand of God. And the work that he started, the gates of hell will not prevail against it, the Bible says. But see, I see people here in this passage, much like in the world today, that are becoming openly idolatrous, immoral, self-centered. You know how Christians should live? With Christ at the center of your life. But these people were without Christ. They were, they, listen, if you are without Christ, you might even have a whole house full of people and you might have a nice job where you work in some nice office with people all around you. But if you're without Christ, guess what? You are alone in this world. Can I tell you that's a sad place to be. Being without Christ is an unbearable thought. Do You know what happens if you die in your sin? You spend eternity in a Christless place called hell. Because Jesus is not in hell, he's in heaven. See, God doesn't want you to go to hell. He's not willing that you go there. But as I look at these people, there was a shortage stated, and that shortage was that they were without Christ. But then notice they were also people without citizenship. Because Paul goes on in verse number 12, he says, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Now, the Jews were a people, a nation, that God had ruled over them. And that meant that these people, and by the way, they should. They should have a national pride and a sense of destiny and a a sense of God's protection. God had been there for them. God had parted the Red Sea and God had led them about in the wilderness and God provided for them. Listen, God had done so many things for Israel. God had protected them. He He had kept watch over them. But listen, he is describing here in verse number 12 that the pagans, they did not have God's blessings and God's protection. The pagan world, just like in our day-to-day, worships a variety of gods. Back in Paul's day in Ephesians, uh, in the city of Ephesus, the Greeks were a people that had a list of gods, little letter G. The Romans, they had their gods. The Persians had their gods. And when you study these gods, here's what you find is, is that they're gods, these pagans' gods, they were, they were irritable gods. They were undependable gods. They didn't come through for these people like God comes through for us. You know, when I, I think about 1 John 1, 9, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful. Aren't you glad for God being faithful? How about this one? He's the same yesterday, today, and how long? forever. God is faithful. But their gods, they were undependable. These pagans were exposed in their life to powers. By the way, they weren't godly powers. They were satanic powers. They were exposed to these powers that were greater than themselves. But you know what they found with their pagan gods? There was no love. There was no compassion. There was no mercy. There was no justice. There was no consistency with their gods. Pagans never thought of their gods as loving them, nor did they have any reason to love them. Look what it says in Colossians one twenty one, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. He says, "Listen, I, I see a, a shortage." Paul says, "And folks, I'm going to tell you why, Pastor. Why are we having an open house? Because there is a separation that is seen, but there is also a shortage." that stated the shortage is there are people in the world today that are without Christ. There are people today that are without citizenship. Hey, listen, if you're saved today, you are already a citizen of where? Heaven. Heaven is already your home. But there are people today without Christ that heaven is not their home. But I see another thing in this shortage. Notice I see a people without covenants. Because in verse number 12, here's what he says. They're strangers from the covenants promise now certainly God did make many covenants okay there were many covenants in the Word of God but listen God did not make any covenants with the Gentile nations because the Gentiles were aliens the Bible says they were strangers and America is becoming just like that America is becoming a strange land you know what God wants us to be as America God wants us to be salt God put us here that we might preserve the morality of the Word of God, and, and we might be the, the preservative in this world today, that we might proclaim the truth of salvation by grace through faith. Listen, do you remember in the book of Acts what Paul did when Paul stood on what's called Mars Hill? And Paul's standing there, and we had a place uh, while we were traveling in the Holy Land, and we were in a very same place, not Mars Hill, where they had all kinds of, of little shrines what they where they would go up and they would worship their little gods. And Paul stood there on Mars Hill, and look what it says. Here's what he says to them. Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription. Notice what it said. To the unknown God. Whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. Listen, Paul's saying, if you want to know the God, if you want to know someone that's going to help you, that's going to love you, that's going to bless your life, that's going to give you a home in heaven, he says, I can introduce you to that God. See, they were too superstitious. They were a people without covenants. Notice, I also see they were a people without confidence because back in verse number 12, He says that they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope. Now, here's what you find when you study the word of God. God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with Isaac. God made covenants with other people in the Bible. Here's what you find is he made a covenant with Jacob and Moses and David. These were all agreements that as God entered these agreements, listen, God, his covenants are unconditional. In other words, those covenants and the coming through those covenants, the fulfilling of those covenants are not based on man, they're based on God. And by the way, you ought to be glad for that because if it was up to being based on man, then none of those things would ever happen. You see, God doesn't change. Even in his covenants, what God has promised, God will make through good on every promise that he has ever made. But I find here that God has bound himself to obey certain provisions so that Every Israelite would have a hope. The Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. How, how heartbreaking would it be? Can you imagine living your entire life, and by the way, there are a lot of people like this, they live their entire life with no hope. You ever known somebody like that? They just have no hope. I mean, they're thinking about their their life coming to an end and going to their death. I mean, thinking about that eternal night where there's no hope. In Paul's day, listen, it was the same as you think about him standing there on Mars Hill and other places there were philosophies of Paul's day that were empty. Hey, listen, any institution of learning today, they are all centered on man's philosophies and not on God's. Any of you ever attend a secular university? If you did, you know what I'm talking about, because I'm going to tell you, those teachers and those instructors and those professors, they lie in wait for Christians to come and sit in their classes so they can try to pick apart and pick off everyone that is a believer in Jesus Christ, and they are promoting the agenda of this world instead of what God would have for our nation and what God would have for his people. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You know anybody that's a Christian going to secular university, you ought to, you ought to put them on your prayer list. And pray for them. See, in Paul's day, just like in our day, philosophies are empty. Traditions are disappearing. Religions were powerless to help men and women face uh, either life or death. People were longing somehow, and that's what you see here in Ephesians chapter number 2. They were longing in their hearts to pierce the veil and some message of hope come from the other side. We're going to see that in just a minute because when God set up the, the portable structure in the Old Testament known as the tabernacle, and then eventually it became the temple. There was was an outer court, and there was an inner court, and there were certain people that were on the outside, but they could not get in, and there were other people that were privileged to be on the inside who felt they were better than those people that were on the outside, but these people that he's dealing with in Ephesians, those that are Gentiles just like you and me, listen, they had a hope that somehow they could get through that veil... And they could get close to God. Can I tell you today, there are people searching for answers in life. And the answer to every problem in life is still Jesus. See, it's that simple, folks. You find the person on the street that's homeless, you know what that person needs? Jesus. You find the person that's got millions of dollars, and you introduce them to Jesus, and everything in their life will start to fall into place. People need the Lord. There were people without confidence. They had no hope. But then I noticed one last thing that he mentions in verse number 12. And again, it's another reason why we need to have an open house because the shortage was there. They were without Christ. They were without citizenship. They were without covenants. They were without confidence. But notice letter E. They were a people without consciousness. And say, where do you get that from? Look back at verse number 12, the last part of the verse. He says, having no hope and without God in the world, without God. A sad condition here of a people that were living a great distance from God. Listen, that's the way the heathen is today. They have their gods, but they don't know the God. First Corinthians 8, verse number 5, For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be God's many and Lord's many. I mean, there are people today that worship all kinds of gods. They have numerous gods. There's religions today. But listen, no matter how religious a person or how moral a person, the pagan did not know the true God. It's interesting. I I was telling Brother Kenny, I I said, listen, do you know the word atheist is in the Bible? Brother Kenny kind of looked at me. He's like, you put me on, Pastor? I said, no. It's right here. Look at the verse again. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, and without... Who? God. Let me give you a little lesson today, okay? This is free. Anybody ever heard the word theology? Okay, the, the end of that word is ology. The, ology means a word about. So if you have Christology, it's a word about Christ. If you have theology, it's a word about who? So if I take, watch this, theology. If I take off ology, it leaves me with the word theos and theos means what? God. You know what you find in our English Bible? By the way, they did not do misjustice to the word of God. It was there. It was understood. When you see the two words there, without God. Everybody see those two words? Let's say them. Without God. Say them again. Without God. Okay. What happens when you have morals in this world, and then the morals go away? What's it called? Immoral. Okay. What if, do, you know how, do you know how to put it together when there's no morals? Anybody know what that word is? Well, not immorality. Amoral. You put an A on it. Amoral. Everybody with me? That means no morals. Say it. No morals. When you see the words here, without Christ, watch this. What's the word for God? Theos. Guess what the word is here? theos which is where we get our word atheist from, which means no God. See, these people, they were without consciousness of who God was. They were without God. They were people that do not believe in God. Psalm 53 and verse one, look at it. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they. They've done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. Look, it's, it's worth noting this morning that the spiritual plight of the Gentiles, listen to me now, the condition that the Gentiles are in or were in, that they were without Christ, they were without consciousness, they were without all these things, the reason they were in that condition was not caused by God. The reason that they're in that condition was because of their own willful sin. So, Pastor, why have an open house? Because people need the Lord. See, there was something here known as a separation. The separation is seen. And then I see here because of the Gentiles that there was a shortage that was stated. But then notice number three this morning, and we're done, I see a shedding is significant. A shedding. Now again, I love the Bible, and I'm not going to slice and dice the Word of God up to make it say what I want it to say. I'm going to proclaim to you the entire counsel of the Word of God this morning. And as you look at this verse, I want you to see verse 13. The Bible says, But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh. How? Read the rest of the verse. By the blood of Christ. Listen, you, you ever been around people or religions who want to take the blood out? Guess what happens when you take the blood out? You can't come, you can't come near. You have no access that's sad so when you look at the Word of God here we find that there was a shedding which shows me this significance that we see it speaks of the gracious intervention of God on behalf of lost sinners who were on the outside but could not come in now listen stay with me okay we this this is really getting good now I'm gonna tell you if you haven't enjoyed it yet you'll enjoy this look at first of all when I think about the shedding I see a bridge to cross. Jesus came near to what we call the mercy seat. If you know anything about the holy of holies, there was the the ark of the covenant and on top of that ark there was something called the the bema seat or the mercy seat and the cherubims were on there and when the whole when the high priest would go in they would make the atonement. Well, how did they atone for the sins of the people? They used the blood. So when I look at this, I see that The mercy seat was significant because it was indicative of the divine presence of Almighty God. Look what the Bible says in Romans 3 and verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His what? Blood. Blood. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Listen, how did people in the Old Testament get saved? They believed on on Lord Jesus Christ, right? Now stay with me. Look here. I'm living in the Old Testament times. Has Jesus been crucified yet? No. So by faith, they looked toward the cross. Jesus had not yet been born of a virgin. He had not lived on this earth. He had not given his life. He had not gone to Calvary They had not seen it with their physical eyes, but by faith they believed that he died for their sins. Would you agree with that? Now watch this. Then you get people over here on this side of the cross. That's us. Were you there when Jesus died? No. No. So how do you get saved? The same way those people got saved in the Old Testament, you look back to the cross. See, we weren't there. Now, it's already happened. We live after the crucifixion, but understand that just like the Old Testament, by faith, believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would save them from their sins, we who live in the New Testament believe the exact same thing. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody believe that? Yeah. See, the Bible, look at, look at the verse again in Romans chapter three, whom God has set forth, talking about Jesus, to be what? A propitiation, a satisfaction, a just and a holy God, desired a sacrifice. Only Jesus could satisfy God because Jesus was God in the flesh. And the Bible says that as he gave his life, that we need to put our faith in his blood, which is God's blood. It's not man's blood. It's not tainted blood. But listen, it says to declare his righteousness. Why? For the remission or the forgiveness of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That that high priest he would go into the Holy of Holies. He would approach that mercy seat with the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, he would do it with the actual the animal's blood, is what he would do it with. But it was symbolic of the Lamb of God that would eventually come in the days ahead, uh, the, the days ahead, and he would sprinkle that blood out before God, making an atonement. Now, here's some of the greatest verses in our Bible. Look into Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 11 is Isn't it interesting? It's 911. Look at what the verse says. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. Now go down a couple more verses. Look at verse 25, same chapter. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. As the high priest entered into the holy place, how often? Every year. With the blood of what? Others. For then must he... Jesus often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but look at the verse, but now what's that next word? Once in the end of the world hath, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of what? A, a ram, a bull, a goat? No, he sacrificed himself. How many times did Jesus die on the cross? One time. How many times did the blood have to be applied? Once, You know why? Because it wasn't the blood of some animal, it was the blood of the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So when I look at this, I find that the shedding of his precious blood, what it did was it prepared the way which the Gentiles as well as the Jews might approach God. Somebody said one time, an old man going a lone highway came at the evening, cold and gray, to a chasm vast and deep and wide through which was flowing a sullen tide. The old man crossed in the twilight dim. The sullen street stream had no fear for him, but he turned when safe on the other side and built a bridge to span the tide. Old man, said a fellow pil- pilgrim near, you're wasting your strength with building here. Your journey will end with the ending day. You'll never again pass this way. You've crossed the chasm deep and wide. Why build this bridge at even The builder lifted his old gray head. Good friend, in the path I have come, he said, there followed after me today a youth whose feet must pass this way. This chasm that has been as naught to me, to that fair-haired youth may a pitfall be. He too must cross in the twilight dim. Good friend, I am building this bridge for him. You know what Jesus did? There is no way, listen to me, there is no way that any one of us that has ever been born of woman could ever get themselves from this earth to God on our own. The only way that's possible is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. You see, Jesus made a way, and I see a bridge to cross, but then I also see the blood of Christ because the Bible says in Galatians 3, for ye are all the children of God, By faith in Christ Jesus. And when when you see the Bible talking and speaking about the death of Christ, you know what the scripture also refers to? The blood of Christ. Because the Bible talks about without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. Why did God place such an emphasis on the blood? Look what it says in Leviticus 17. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Does anybody remember years ago when people had an illness, a sickness, remember in the old days, by the way, it wasn't the good old west. Because anybody remember what they used to try to do to make people get rid of that? They'd bleed them to death. Listen, folks, the life is in the blood. And the Bible says it right here, Leviticus 17, if they would have just read the word of God, it says it's given to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. Look at that. Jesus died for the souls of men and women, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Hebrews 9, 22. Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. I mean, listen, when you look at the Word of God, for obvious reasons, many people, they don't like to hear about the blood of Jesus, but you know what you find when you study the Word of God? God underscores the blood of Christ because it is through the blood that we are set free. It is extremely important that we remember what Jesus did for us. Listen, Jesus died, and when I think about the, the, the awful, the horrific thing that Jesus went through, the painful and violent and bloody and gory and ugly and revolting death, Jesus was tortured and he was beaten. and His writhing body was hammered to an old rugged cross at the end of that, it was dropped into a hole on the ground with a, with a bone-wrenching crash. No, the body of, of Jesus Christ hung there, and the blood of God's own dear Son came streaming down that cross. Listen, it stained that cross and the ground beneath him. And listen to what Peter said, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. That's anything in this world, folks. Listen, you can have all you want, but it's not going to matter. You can't take it with you when you go, and it's not going to help you get there either. The Bible says that as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, God wants us to remember what Jesus went through. God wants us to remember how violent it was because violence is the ultimate result of a godless society, a paganistic society. It is the final expression of a godless society. Cruelty always arises immediately when love and truth disappear. Listen, I said it earlier, what do you think is going to happen when all the saved are taken out of this world? I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm glad I'm not going to be here. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians. It says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. People are not going to be comforted during that time of tribulation. But I see here that as I think about what Jesus did, God wants humanity to see that when we have done our worst, when we as a people, as a a world, when we've sunk to our lowest when we've expressed our most violent hatred, cruelty, isn't it amazing that that is where you find God? He will save to the uttermost. He'll reach out in His love. Listen, our God is ready to forgive. He calls to those, here it is, who are afar off and says, I want you to come nigh. You see, when I think about an open house, folks, it's an opportunity through the blood of Jesus to come into the presence of God. Now, we've looked at three verses this morning, but I want you to take your Bible there in Ephesians 2, and I want you to look in verse number 1 of Ephesians 2. Don't miss this. We've already looked at verse 11, 12, and 13, but look at verse 1. The Bible says, "In you hath he quickened. Anybody know what the word quicken means? Make you alive. Now watch, you hath he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past, there it is again, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Look at verse 4, beautiful. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, do you see that? How, how listen how how deep we were in sin, but God loved us. Verse five, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace. You are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, here's the verse that we say a lot. Notice the, the place that God put for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Can anybody say amen? amen? Now, listen, you look at those verses. Why have an open house? Because of a separation. I see another reason that we need to have an open house is because of a shortage. But I also see another reason why we need to have an open house is because of the shedding. Because of what Jesus did for us, I mean, this is the wonder of God's grace. The Bible says in Acts 2, verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God will call. See, in the midst of our, our violence and our hatred, God sends his mercy and his love. In the midst of our sin, God sends his purity and his innocence. In the midst of darkness, what does God send? His light. In the midst of our death and corruption, God sends His resurrection and life. Now, as I think about that, I want you to look at what the Bible says at the remaining of this chapter. Look in verse number 14. The Bible says in verse 14 of Ephesians 2, For He is our peace, who hath made both one. Remember, there was a difference. But see what Jesus did? He reconciled us together. He hath made both one and hath broken down, here it is, the middle wall of partition between us. Look here. Remember somewhere on the outside and they couldn't get in. There was a veil that separated and there were some that were privileged. But the Bible says that Jesus, because of his shedding of his blood, giving of his life, he broke down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh, for through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. I hope that, listen, I hope that you know him this morning as your Savior. But if you don't, according to the Bible, you're still without Christ. But guess what Jesus already did? He's already given his life. He's already shed his blood so that you can have access to the Father. Does that make anybody else shout? Anybody else excited about the fact that, listen, I don't have to go to some priest, I don't have to go to some person and hope that I can get to God I can go directly to Jesus myself. Would you bow your heads with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? I want to thank you for listening so intently this morning. I know the message was a little long. But again, I just try to do what the Lord has given to me. But I, I pray this morning that, number one, that you know Christ as your Savior. You think about what Jesus did for you. He shed his blood. He gave his life. He was brutalized for you and for me. How many of you could say this morning that you know Christ as your Savior, that you know because you put your faith in Him. Would you raise your hand this morning? I'm a Christian because I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many hands have gone up. Many hands, you can put those down. There might be someone here this morning that did not raise their hand. You couldn't be in a better place. Because God's giving you an opportunity I hope you've seen that this morning. I hope that I didn't make a mess out of the scriptures and that you realize that Jesus did what he did so that you can come to him. There's nothing that, that's in the way other than maybe your pride. Maybe you want to hold on to some of the things of this world. The Bible calls them corruptible things. Why don't you just set those things down, those gods, those idols, whatever it is, And why don't you come to Jesus this morning? I'm going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to give an invitation. Just an opportunity for you to come to the Lord. If you need to be saved, this would be the opportunity for you to to get out of your seat and come down front. We have a couple of our pastors who, who could take the word of God or have somebody take the word of God and show you from the scriptures how you can have a home in heaven someday. But before I pray, I want to include you in my prayer. If you're not saved this morning, everyone's heads are bowed, everyone's eyes are closed. But would you raise your hand this morning and say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. I haven't settled that yet. But I believe God's speaking to my heart this morning about this matter of putting my faith in Him, trusting Him for my eternity. If that's you this morning, why don't you just slip your hand up and once you put it up, you can put it right back down. Anyone at all this morning? I'm just not sure of my eternity. Just put your hand up, and then you can put it right back down. I would just want to include you in our prayer this morning. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Word of God. So many wonderful truths this morning. Lord, I'm thankful that even though there was a separation, that God, you made a way for us to come to you. Lord, there definitely were some things that they were without. And I'm glad that we can have you in our lives as our Savior. Thank you for shedding your blood. I pray that our church would see from the scriptures this morning how important it is to have a day like an open house, to have the community and neighbors and coworkers and classmates to come so that they can hear what, what they heard this morning, the truth that would set them free. Bless the invitation in Jesus' name. Would you stand?